So we're going to get right into God's Word this morning. If you have your Bible, whatever device you may be using to read your scriptures, we're going to be looking at the, uh, James chapter 4. And the title of today's message is called Reorientation. Have you ever had a season in life where you just felt like you were out of sorts? Have you had a day or a week or a month or, you know, just because of various circumstances, whatever they may have been. It may, may have been personal, it may have been uh, corporate circumstances, it may have been community circumstances, it may have been as a nation, it may have been political, it may have been a natural disaster, whatever it may have been, different things come across in our lives and, and uh, we, we, we have a tendency to get disoriented. If, if you're in here as a parent this morning, you have children, um, no doubt you had a day where you had to remind your children that just need to, you know, just go to your room and, and, and just, just take some time and just calm down and get yourself reoriented, you know. You're all discombobulated. <laughs> it's a word I like to use. I don't know if it's a good word or not, but, you know, we're just getting, we just get out of sorts. If you're a school teacher, you probably had that happening in your classroom on a daily basis. The kids get out of sorts. It doesn't take much to throw them off. You know, they're so used to a routine and a schedule and something happens. Uh, you know, uh, we, we get disoriented. But as believers, I want to talk to us today about reorient, reorientation, getting our life reoriented in a right place with God, coming into an alignment with, with the Lord our God, the one who loves us. There's, it's, there's so much goes on in our lives, either on a personal level or, in a, in, like I said, on a corporate level, community, or as a nation, and it doesn't take much to throw us off, and, and, and so um, it's just good once in a while to realize, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting distracted, I'm, I'm, I'm disoriented, and I'm getting discouraged, I'm finding myself being negative, I'm, finding, I'm not liking what, how I'm feeling right now, I'm not liking what I'm thinking right now, I'm not liking what I'm thinking about other people or feeling towards other people. And, and those obviously, it's, that obviously it's not a place where we want to be. We want to be oriented with God and come back to the place, the original intent for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you'll remember, is to re-represent God in all the world, going to all the world and to proclaim the gospel, to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons, speak with new tongues, you take up anything deadly, will by no means harm you. That's the commission. That, that is what the church is here to do. We're on planet Earth today to re-represent God to his creation, to re-represent him. Jesus represented him, and we are to continue that representation to represent God to a lost and dying world, those that have not yet been introduced to Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, all of our soul, and we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. and we are to go into all the world and to proclaim the gospel. That is our orientation, but we get thrown off because we get caught up in all kinds of, uh, of uh, we get distracted by all kinds of events taking place in our culture, and we don't always need external things taking place because we have enough selfishness in and of ourselves. We have enough of, a, of, of a, you know, 
that, that sin nature that we continue to, to, to deal with and continue to renew our mind with the word of God so that we don't find ourselves being selfish. So James addresses the group of people here in, in the book of James chapter four, and he's really challenging them to, to, to uh, come back to a place of drawing close to God. So let's begin reading in the book of James chapter four at verse one. He says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Sounds like some people that need to be reoriented to the right purposes and, and, and into the will of God uh, for their lives. Verse 5 says, what do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the, when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy or with jealousy? Marginal reference in my, in, in the, the, I'm reading from the new translation says, or that God longs jealously for the human spirit he has placed within, or that the Holy Spirit whom God has placed within us opposes envy. Then in verse six, but he gives even more grace to stand against such evil desires as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So what we have here is James is offering a lifeline to those who are sinking and, and to those seasons in our life when we are sinking and being enveloped and swallowed up by evil desires, jealousy, friendship with the world, pride, whatever it may be that's attacking us and we feel like we're, 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 we're sinking in these, in these circumstances. James is throwing a lifeline in verse 6. that God gives even more grace. Everyone say more grace. That's good news. There's always more grace than there is opposition that comes against you. In Romans, we're told that even where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I'm always reminded of that when people are talking about how when, when you have a, people are dealing with, you know, they're referring to everything as everything's gloom and doom in our culture, in our country, and, and, and on the planet. Well, you know, things aren't necessarily the way they should be, but there's grace. There is more grace abounding. Even where sin abounds, grace does much more. Say it again, much more. So there's much more of God's strength, God's ability available, working, and alive within us than there is all the negative things that are going on in the world. As powerful as the forces of darkness are and as evil as things are, are in our present culture, the culture, there is more grace than everything else that's going on. So always remember that. He gives even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. He opposes the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. So verse seven, verse seven. It says, so humble yourselves before God. We could just stop right there and go home. You have enough meat to chew on and get life straightened out. Receive God's grace, humble yourself, and, and let's go on with life, right? Let's just go on with life. So thank God for that abundance of grace. He gives grace to the humble. 
and that we have plenty of resources, heaven resourcing us with grace, resourcing us with wisdom, and that we can stand against all the evil forces that are coming against us. In uh, the next couple of verses, beginning at verse 7, James here is opening up a series of imperatives that are built on this foundation of verse 6, that God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. So before I get into the imperatives, let's just take a moment. Let's just talk about grace just, just for a moment and realizing that the grace, grace is God's ability working in you, enabling you to do what you could not do on your own ability. The grace of God is God's power working in you, God's ability in you, enabling you to do what you could not do in your own ability. And then to be humble is as he gives us ability, he gives us supernatural empowerment, grace, ability from heaven. He gives it to those that are humble, those that are unpretentious, those that are teachable. It's the opposite. To be humble is the opposite of pride. To be humble is not to deny your skill set. I always like to joke with people, it's really to be, it's hard to be humble when you're this good. But we're trying, right? So humility, unpretentious, teachable. It's the opposite of pride. But humility is not denying your skills or your talents that God has graced you with. It's acknowledging that your gifts and your talents originate from God. Too many times people think they're being humble when they're, you know, when, when they're just, they're, they're denying their, their skills. They say, well, I'm not that good. There's someone better than me, or I'm, I'm not that talented. There's people that are better than you know, don't do that. When someone compliments you, just say thank you. Praise God. I'm very thankful to God for his grace in my life that he's given me the ability to do what he has called me to do. So I want to just take a moment to, to define those two words there because God opposes the proud, but he gives, great, he gives grace or he favors the humble. Then opening up this series of imperatives, beginning here at verse 7, the, number, the, the first imperative is for you to get re, to, for in reorientation and getting your life reoriented is to humble yourself. Notice verse 7 says, so... As a result of everything that was just spoken of in the first couple of verses, as a result of that, as a result of God gracing you and favoring you, humble yourself. That's another thing I see among religion quite often, hear among religion quite often, say, oh, God, humble me. You don't need to pray. You're never told in Scripture to pray for God to humble you. And God is not in the business of humiliating you, of making you humble. You, we are to humble ourselves. We are to yield to him. We are to submit ourselves to him. So humble yourselves. Don't be asking God to do it. This is something you are supposed to be doing. Number two imperative in getting reoriented is found in here also. It says, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you're to humble yourself, and then you are also to resist the devil. 
See, we keep wanting to put things over on other people. First of all, we want to put things over on God, and we want to put things over on other people. But you are to humble yourself, and you are to resist the attacks of the devil against you, and he will flee from you. Humble yourself and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is all about becoming reoriented. He will flee from you. It's a promise from God's word. It's a command in scripture. Then number three imperative is found in verse eight. It says, come close to God and he will come close to you. That's really the, that, that's the, the verse right there that I, I, the title originates from because it says, come close to God. Many other translations say, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. But the word picture there is a reorientation. I've, I've gotten, you know, I'm, I've been taking a, a walk in the woods and I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I need to get reoriented. Or I'm just uh, taking a walk through life and I'm, and, and I'm disoriented. I, I, I don't know which way is up. I, just, I'm, I don't know which step to take next. I don't know what direction to go into. I'm lost at sea. I need, I need the compass. I need that North Star. I need to draw close to God. I need to come close to God. Come back to him. Put your focus back on the Lord your God, draw near. It's a reorientation to God and his purposes in our world, in our community, and as well as in my personal life. God, what is your purpose for my life? I've, I've gotten off course here. I've, gotten, I've, I've been distracted because of, and you fill in the blanks. Whatever that distraction may have been. Humble yourself, resist, and come close to God. Go through that process and say, I'm coming back to God. I am opening myself up. I'm drawing on his grace and I'm humbling myself. And I'm looking for that, going through that process of a reorientation to God's purpose for my life in, in my world, in my community. And I'm coming back to him. So draw, come close to God, verse 8. Then the next imperative, is uh, the, the fourth one, is wash your hands, you sinners. Wash your hands. That's, a, that's referring to the outward, the, the outward act of sin. And purify your hearts is number five. Purify your hearts. That's referring to the inner, your inner disposition, your heart, your attitude, uh, uh, it says, uh, purify your, your hearts, your inner disposition. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. It says, wash your hands, your sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And that happens to us over and over again because it's, such a, it's the, the magnetism of the world, the, 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 the cares of the world and the circumstances of the world and just the needs of this world. It's just a, a strong magnet continue, continually drawing us to, into the cares of this world. And our attention ends up being focused more on worldly things rather than being focused on the God in heaven. So a reorientation, no longer just being consumed by all the cares of this world, but I am purposing to reorient myself. I'm coming back to God. I'm drawing close to him. And he promised that he would continue to come close to me. 
So wash your hands, referring to outward acts of sin, purifying your heart. That's that inner disposition, making that adjustment, making that adjustment in your heart and the way that you're thinking. And then in verse 9, verse 9 says, let there, there's several let there be's here that are maybe a little bit confusing to us. It says, let there be tears for what you have done. That's obviously a, a repentant heart. Let there be sorrow and deep grief, a continuation of that. Then let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. I, for years, would read that and thinking, okay, that is so contrary to what the rest of the scriptures, what the psalmist is telling us, to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And you're saying, okay, stop being so joyful and start, no, just, you need to have more gloom in your life. You know, when you just read that, it's like, is that really saying what it's saying? And if it is saying what it's saying, then why is it saying? And I thought we're supposed to be happy. I thought we're supposed to give shouts of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, hang in there. It is. It is. Let there be tears. Let there be sorrow. Let there be deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy, tears, sorrow, deep grief, sadness instead of, instead of joy. What James is doing here is he's calling to this people, uh, to the people here that have gotten disoriented. In those seasons in our life when we also are disoriented and we're, we're discombobulated and we're just off kilter. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time focusing. I'm, I'm purposing to have some a good devotional time. I, I, I want to go to church. I want to worship God. But, and and uh, I, I want to do the right things. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to turn the corner and I, I'm going to start doing right. But everything just keeps pulling me in an opposite direction. So I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And that's why James is saying this, what he's saying in verse 9. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of, instead of joy. James is calling for a shift from laughter and joy to sorrow and gloom. And in James calling for this shift of laughter and joy to sorrow and gloom is a reminder to his audience that the false path of pride, jealousy, and friendship with the world, all the things that were discussed in the, in the earlier scriptures, verses that we read, that it is a false path of pride, jealousy, and friendship with the world that they thought would lead to joy and laughter, that they are dead-end streets and they need to be abandoned. You know in your heart of hearts what dead-end streets that you're on that need to be abandoned. It might look joyful. You may be saying, oh, but I'm having a great time. Oh, but this is going to be so much fun. Reorient yourself with God and really get heaven's perspective on it. Where is this street really headed? Is it joyful for a moment? Is it pleasurable for a moment? But long-term, it's going to be gloom and it's going to be agony. If you're on that wrong path, you know it. Receive the grace to stand against all such evil desires, any wrong path that we're on. 
anything that we're caught up in, the, the, the jealousy, the, the fighting, the waging war, and, 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 and the backbiting, and, and just, just all the, the dark things that are going on in culture. Everything that's going on in our culture as a nation. It's interesting this morning, I, I, I don't think I've ever done it. This morning, for some reason, I, I turned my radio on in my car coming over. I usually just like it quiet coming over here. Turned the radio on. Some guys on preaching, never heard him before. I don't, I don't even know who it was. I didn't listen long enough to know who it was. My ride's too short. <laughs> but he's making this comment about, uh, he, he prefaced it by, uh, that I'm not a prophet. I couldn't prophet if I wanted to prophesy. I said, but I'm not a prophet. And then he went on to say, but if we don't change course in our nation, our nation's not going to survive. I thought, you just prophesied. <laughs> you just prophesied, but it was gloom and doom. And I thought, how much of that gloom and doom prophecy is, is being spoken by men and women of God, media, and just the, the public in general? You, you look around, think about this. This takes, this takes no brain whatsoever to do this. It's to lift your eyes and to look around the landscape of culture and then make a negative statement as if that's some type of discernment. What we need to be doing is to be lifting up our eyes and get reoriented with God and allow his grace that he gives to the humble as I humble myself. God, I'm so sorry for going down this wrong path. I'm sorry for getting caught up in this path of jealousy. I'm sorry for envying what other people have that I wish I had. I'm sorry for even going to war against them to get what they have because I deserve it more than they deserve it. And don't sit there and think, Pastor Ray, I can't believe you have that going on in your life. I don't. I'm reading your mind right now. <laughs> but we can humble ourselves and God gives us grace to resist the devil, and he will flee from us. So let's not continue to be bombarded by the works of darkness. Let's do everything we can to stand and then continue to stand, as the book of Ephesians tells us to in chapter 6. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Let's continue to be engaged in, in our minds being renewed intellectually and spiritually uh, growing and learning and, and, and drawing close to God because we're becoming more familiar with him through his written word, through the Holy Scriptures. Let's continue to go through that process of bringing every evil thought into captivity as we're instructed to in the book of 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul is teaching, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is humbling ourselves. Humble myself means I acknowledge that I have pride. I acknowledge that I have jealousy. I, I acknowledge that and I repent from it and I'm drawing close to you, God, and I'm drawing on your grace. I can overcome. I can be happy when someone else is blessed. I can be happy when someone else receives their miracle. I can be happy when things are going well for someone else and they're not going quite as well for me, I can be happy regardless because I have, I have made my, up my mind that I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to get me reoriented and to come back to God into, in a proper framework of thinking. And I'm abandoning the dead-end streets that I thought would bring fulfillment 
that I thought would bring uh, completeness into my life, and I acknowledge that it's only by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that I'm going to arrive to where I desire to arrive, and it's only by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that I'm going to accomplish what God has called me to accomplish, and that you're only going to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't wait for God to humble you and to straighten you out. You straighten yourself out. You humble yourself, and you invite an increase of God's grace that does much more abound. It abounds over any envy, anger, jealousy. There's grace that's far greater than that, and that is complete freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Verse 10. Number seven here with, uh, with our... Uh, what verse did I tell you? I'm getting my numbers mixed up here. Verse 10. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord. He will lift you up in honor. He will lift you up in honor. Reorientation is a belief. It's beliefs and attitudes toward God. We are to go into all the world and to proclaim the gospel. We are to lay hands on the sick. We are to cast out demons. We're speaking with new tongues. The promise is if anything consume anything deadly, it will not harm you. We are commanded to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our minds. So receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive it into your heart. It does much more abound. Sometimes it's, you know, we feel so inept. We feel like we're being so bombarded peer pressure and just the works of darkness and we get sucked up into jealousy and envy and anger and we start waging war against one another. It's us versus them. Let's lay it down and say, God, come into my life. Increase me. Increase your grace. I receive the favor as your servant and I, I embrace it, and I'm going to continue to walk in it because I believe that the answer is in the grace of Almighty God. I'm going to close with giving you a bonus scripture. I'm just going to read this to you, and I'm not going to comment on it at all, I promise. So I'm going to read it, then we're going to close. Are you ready for it? Can you put this up on the screen? I think I gave this to you. Verse 11 and 12 of James chapter 4. Don't speak evil. Let's read this together. You ready? One, two, three, start. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. Next verse. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Would you please stand? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you this morning for helping us in this day and this hour that we are living in. The peer pressure the forces of darkness, the worldly environment, 
our own dispositions of, and, and tendencies to fall prey to jealousy, to anger, to wrath, and, and, and to war to get things that other people have and we think we should have. Lord, help us to be, come back to you, to draw close to you. I pray for the people right here, Father, in this sanctuary this morning, those that are watching online. Grace us, Lord God, as we humble ourselves before you and say, Lord, we abandon every dead-end street of false fulfillment, false joy, and, and, and anything that's negative and false. We abandon those streets, Lord God, and we come back to you and we say, fill us to overflowing, Lord God, with your peace, your joy. May your grace that abounds, may your grace that super abounds, Lord God, be manifested in our lives this day. Equip us to overflowing in, in, in strength and ability. We're all at different seasons of life. We all have different things that we deal with. We all have different jealousy points or anger points, whatever they may be, Father. You know where we're at, and we, but we humbly entreat you, Father, to minister to us and that your grace that does much more abound to strengthen us, to resource us with the ability to go forward with clean hands and a pure heart in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. Perhaps you're in here with us this morning or you're worshiping with us online today and you never have come to a place where you receive Jesus Christ, the abundance of God's grace. You haven't received him as your personal Lord and Savior. We'd love to uh, offer to pray with you. If you would like for us to pray with you and for you on that, we can, we'll pray a corporate prayer. What I need you to do is just slip up your hand and let me know that you're in here this morning and do you want to pray with us? Is there someone in here today? Say, Pastor Ray, I've never received Jesus as my Savior, as the forgiver of my sin, but I want to receive him today. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I don't see any answer raised, so I trust that, that, that you're good to go. You have the grace of God in you, and God is working for you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right, one more quick announcement, a follow-up on verse 11 and 12. No, it's not. I'm teasing you. <laughs> Brina. We want to thank Brina for leading the small group that she was leading. I think we missed, we missed your name, so amen. So thank you, Brina. Praise God. Praise God. So... Have a wonderful rest of the day. We love you, and we look forward to, uh, to seeing you next Sunday. If you're traveling this week, we pray for the safety of travel, the favor of travel on you. Enjoy your family and friends, and, and uh, stay healthy. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday morning.